I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. Welcome, everybody, to the snack episode. Yee. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Dr. Nobles is here with us again today, and we're going to go over some more cases. Dr. Hello. Thank you for having me. I, I really enjoy talking about cases with you and JJ. Uh, you know, there's, there's just, there's so many great cases to talk about, but uh, I, I really like respiratory cases. Okay. Do you? <sighs> Depends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there, yeah. I, uh, dyspneic animals give me anxiety. But nice. you see them a lot, though, so I'm, like, used to it, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. We... It's, it's it's one of those emergencies that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Okay. You know, it's when some when the patient can't breathe. So, I, I had a older lady, about a 10-year-old Pomeranian. I always refer to my patients as older lady or older gentleman. Okay, I thought you meant the owner, but you're talking about the Pomeranian. <laughs> the, 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 okay. the patient. Okay. About a 10-year-old spayed female Pomeranian that presented to me on ER with a chief complaint of uh, an intermittent cough, decreased appetite, overall She's otherwise healthy, up to date on vaccines, flea and heartworm prevention. She is primarily indoors, and on her physical exam, she was she was quiet and alert. Her gums were were pink. She didn't really have a any any sort of issue breathing. So I would I would call her eutonic. You know, she she there wasn't wasn't any effort. She wasn't breathing fast. Noticed that the lung sounds on. One side seemed a little decreased, but, you know, just a stethoscope. So mm-hmm. her abdomen was soft, no pain anywhere. So, you know, other other than that, her physical exam was fairly unremarkable. Vital signs were normal. She hasn't been boarded recently or exposed to, to a young dog. She does have one housemate. It's an older Yorkie that came for moral support. He is not coughing. Mm-hmm. And they, they don't have an extensive travel history. You know, I always try to go back into cases. What's the chief complaint? And is, and is you know, is that truly the, what the dog's here for? Uh, in this case, the, the intermittent cough is, is what the dog was here for. And then when I think about my physical exam findings, there was one side of the lungs had decreased lung sounds. So I get to, you know, thinking about a differential list for this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you think about your stethoscope and what could cause decreased lung sounds, there's got to be something interfering with the, the sound traveling through that space, right? So maybe there's a space-occupying mass there, mm-hmm. okay? That'd be a differential. Consolidated lung lobe. That might be a differential. Um, fluid. That could be a differential. Mm-hmm. As far as the, you know, cough goes, how do I how do I correlate those? You know, and so what I ultimately recommended to the owner is is that we we get an ultrasound of the chest. 
and some chest x-rays. But before I move on, you know, as far as other differentials to consider for a cough in a, in a small breed dog, certainly a, a cardiac cough would be something to consider. She didn't have a murmur, so I thought that was less likely. Tracheal collapse or tracheobronchomalacia is prevalent in smaller, older breed dogs. The cough that the owner described was not that classic goose honking cough that you hear with tracheal collapse or tracheobronchomalacia. Chronic lower airway disease or COPD, that's still certainly a differential. Heartworms, I thought were less likely given that the patient was on a preventative. Things like pulmonary fibrosis, uh, you know, certainly that's on the list, cancer, infectious. Even my own dog, when she got older, she got kennel cough. She, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so that's certainly a possibility. So those are are some of the main differentials that are, that are going through my mind when, when I'm going through this. And I probably didn't do a good idea or a good job of listing those um, in most likely to least likely, which is what what I sh- what we all should strive to do every day when we're seeing cases, okay? Sometimes you just got to get you know, away with putting them on the damn list. You know, <laughs> so um, the one, one of the other differentials that I want to throw at you is, um, is a lung lobe torsion. Oh. Okay, it's always something to keep in the back of your mind. I've never seen one of those knowingly. I've never knowingly seen one of them. <laughs> it may have seen you. <laughs> so uh, we we get uh, chest x-rays and I do uh, a vet blue or bedside lung ultrasound exam. <laughs> the chest x-rays showed consolidation of the left cranial lung lobe. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cardiac silhouette appeared normal. The, the remainder, uh, the, the pulmonary vasculature was not really distended. I, I attempted to follow the bronchi and the, the pulmonary vasculature. You want to try to make sure you can see those throughout the, the thorax. And it, it, it was a little bit difficult to, to follow that out in the left cranial lung lobe. When I did an ultrasound of the, of the thorax, or a vet blue, I noticed on the, in the left cranial region of the thorax, there appeared to be some, what looks like consolidated lung. It almost, it has a, it almost looks hepatized is what I call it because it looks like liver. Hmm. Um, and, and I could see uh, some hyperechoic foci within that, which is just the, the gas. And you can see this nice band kind of around the, the parameter of the of the lung lobe there, and you may see, and I saw just a scant amount of effusion. the uh, The heart itself appeared to have adequate systolic function, and there didn't appear to be any evidence of enlargement. So, based on those diagnostics, my main differential for this case was a lung lobe torsion. Hmm. Now. I think I had only been working in Huntsville like a week. And so I, you know, I'm like, well, I'll, you know, I'll just send this out, make sure the radiologist, you know, they, they get me a report back a week later, literally. 
And a week later? A week later. Not what helpful. The, and what? Yeah, did I? Usually, usually they... I, yeah. Okay. Anyway, sent the dog home on uh, Doxy and a little bit of Pret. Yeah? No, I, mean, I did. You know I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dog did, did okay. I consulted the surgeons and said, hey, I think this is a long-lived torsion. We need to go in there and get it out. And they're like, well, Let's get another set of x-rays. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> I see it back on ER. Still consolidated. Left brainy at low low. But no. So finally, we get her scheduled for surgery. And, you know, these are cases where we, 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 we contemplate taking them to CT because, you know, what are we going to gain from it? The added cost and time. Certainly, if I always think it's beneficial to have more information. The question is, is it going to change what we do? What we do. Yeah. In this case, it didn't. Uh, one of our fine surgeons here uh, took her to surgery, removed her lung lobe, and sent it out for pathology, of course. Mm-hmm. The findings were consistent with a lung lobe torsion. Oh. <laughs> and uh, she's doing great. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so why do lung lobe torsions happen? Why do splenic torsions happen? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> they just decided to go whoop. Yeah. Just having a rough day and they're yeah. like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just, well, are they just like, the hell with y'all? I'm, I'm getting out. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and when we're talking about a lung lung torsion, literally the lung has like, twisted over on itself, right? Right. And it's congested because the things like, blood flow and I'm guessing lymphatic, all yeah. the stuff that would normally move through can't move through anymore. Yeah. I mean, so don't you think you would fall on the ground and be panting and in, in, in an mean, emergent state? You would think, do I, I don't know. Is it because do the dog was smaller that it wasn't experiencing that, but still, I don't know. No, I mean, I've never seen one come in. I've seen a testicular torsion before. That's the only type you know, of torsion. a human or an animal? Oh, not a human. I <laughs> had <laughs> a classmate that had one in vet school. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see it, though. I just heard about Was it. Was he painful, I'm sure? Yes. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> if you're listening, please. <laughs> um, the, I've seen a testicular torsion in a dog. And that dog was super painful. Right. Uh, that's the only torsion I've knowingly seen. Yeah. Knowingly. You know. I mean, and so, yeah, I mean, you, lung lobe torsions tend to, to occur. We or I feel like we see them most frequently in small breeds. They, they in the, the literature talks a lot about pugs. Um, of course. And left cranial lung lobe. They're probably overrepresented. Mm. Um, but it, it, it's kind of funny when you, because, because, um, couple of weeks later, the surgeon and one of the ER doctors approached me and they're like, hey, uh, I think this dog's got lung lobe torsion. This is like 50, 60 pound mixed breed, two-year-old. I'm like, maybe, I, I don't. And then like the x-rays and ultrasound, I was like, no, she's got a lung lobe torsion. Yeah. So, so now the third one will come in. The third one soon. is on the way. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, and it, but it's it's interesting because the same thing happened to me with with splenic torsions. Um, and again, I, I got to give 
all the credit to the ultrasound because because if it weren't for the ultrasound, I don't think like I'm so it's such a crutch and I shouldn't say crutch. It let's, is yeah. Let's it, not use the word crutch. It, it is an extension of the physical exam. It's that, a magic wand, is what and, that is. And I'm I'm much better at interpreting ultrasound now than I am even X-rays. Right. So, sure. um, so it, it it but it's yeah like splenic torn. I finally I, I diagnosed one and then I was like boom, but it's four in like eighteen months and it, it's crazy. I mean I can't think of. I mean I'm sure there's so many things that I do miss. Uh, that I'm, you know, but I'm, I'm always optimistic to learn. So I'm always looking to learn something every day. <laughs> Hopefully I can, but, uh, but those two patients did really well. Um, they, uh, they both had lung lobectomies. Mm-hmm. So for, for people that, that aren't aware, that's, that's where, um, we go in and surgically remove, um, one of the, the lung lows, the torsed lung lobe and, um, they can do quite well. You can actually, I think, remove up to fifty percent of the the lung, and and still still be just fine. Yeah, yeah. Never done that. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and to be honest with you, amazing that you had two owners that were willing to go to surgery on that. In my experience, it's. I was saying to someone today. People, I don't, they just have a tendency to say yes to everything that I recommend, which I, I, <laughs> I, I appreciate. And yeah. as a veterinarian, I, 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 I try to use that and, 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 and get people an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that we can, can figure out the best treatment option for them. But the number of people that I had an organization approve an abdominal CT with contrast on a patient that I believe has a hepatic vascular anomaly, mm-hmm. crypt orchid, heartworm positive, and possibly a little encephalopathic. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, do you, I mean, do you think you just kind of have a way with people or... Maybe you can explain it really well, or people feel very comfortable with you as their vet- guiding veterinarian. No, see, that's the thing. I don't think that I'm any any sort of wizard with clients, and I think some days I really win with them, and I think some days I don't. I am very open as far as discussing money, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm not one of these people. You get these young doctors and they, they won't say anything about money. Okay. And then next thing you know, your tech's been in there 15 times with an estimate. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you've, you've wasted a forest and technician time and probably not made the client, client feel good. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, you know, I just try to be upfront and, and direct about that. And, and, you know, if you, that's fine if you don't have, that amount of money, just let me know what you got. And because mm-hmm. nothing's more fun than like, okay, I got I got a certain amount of money. So I really have to prioritize my diagnostics because everybody always wants to do the blood work. I'm like, get rid like that doesn't trade work, anything. The blood work <laughs> rarely helps me. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, yeah. You know, now in you know, in certain cases, but 
you know, I, I if I'm if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to do my ultrasound. But it, it, it I yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> I had an owner. Um, I had an owner this week. Uh, you know, kind of tell me up front. This is my favorite thing. Is when I'm like, I think we need to do the, you know, these four things. And up front, the person was like, I need to tell you right now that I have X X X dollars. That's it. And I'm like, thank you for telling me. Yeah. <laughs> because that makes my job so much easier. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for telling me. So then I was able to like go back and be like, okay, let's uh, organize our differential list from top to bottom, right? Most <laughs> likely to least likely. And we're going to use that to determine like, what do we need? What can we wait on? Right. And when you know that information right off the bat, it makes that job so much easier if people would just be up front like that guy i told that guy like look thank Thank you you. please (laughs) just tell your friends just tell your veterinarian what you're working with we're not going to be mad no we're going to be happy that you said something oh a lot of people to get out to get in the world veterinarian's not one of them right no (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know and i love it when you, you go in there and you recommend diagnostics and you go back and you get the estimate. They take it in there. They get it signed, and then the, your technician comes back. And she's like, "They don't even have, they don't have money for for the exam fee." Mm. Yeah, you know, in those cases, th- th- those are those are so difficult to to deal with because obviously we want to do what's what's best for the patient and um, and the client. Nobody, there's no veterinarian out there that doesn't want to help a patient. Um, you know, it just, I think that's part of the the emotional turmoil that we endure on ER. And then people get mad and upset, right? Because they love their pets. Yeah. And um, yeah. I had this dude the other day, straight up rolled up in there like, no shirt, may or may not have been on something, aka 100% was on a little meth. His <laughs> bulldog cut his leg. Okay, and that bulldog, let me tell you what, that pit came in there, and them gums were white. Oh, no. And he's, like, all yelling at my tech and everything, and he's got his sister with him, and we don't want to treat his dog because he ain't got no money. And I, and he's, like, going on. And I, I, I finally went in the exam. I said, sit your ass down. Now, I'm going to – I can help you, or you can you can get your dog, and you can get the hell out of here. Now, I, I want you to know, I don't, as a medical professional, typically talk to clients like that. However, when when those events arise, I mean, because you know, people are a little unpredictable these days. Yeah. So, I um, I quickly sutured that uh, that laceration um, and and gave that dog uh, um, some donated medications and got him on out the door because we could have fought about money for three hours and gone through the riffraff, but wouldn't have done anybody any good. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, you know, you don't lose a tremendous amount doing things like that. And I'm sure you do that on a daily basis. In general practice, a lot we often do have to kind of make things work. Yeah. Uh, my, my ability to adjust things is limited because of my work as a relief vet. Because right. I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily have the ability to, to adjust things at every place that I work at some I do, you know, but, but you're absolutely right. And all the years that I spend in general practice, sometimes 
sometimes you just have to like, yeah, sometimes you just have to like do it and be like, look, this is what we're dealing with. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> just do the best job you can. Yeah. Uh, I think that you do probably have a way with clients and uh, I'm, I'm flattered I think that you do. My mm-hmm. mom uh, who has never, never met you. Uh, she listened to the first episode and she was like, who is that doctor that you were interviewing? And I was like, Oh, that's uh, Jacqueline Nobles. You know, like we were in pre-vet together. Yeah. Like I've known her for a long time. And she was like, tell her she has the best accent I have ever her and I was like oh my gosh really yes no that I, she did that's, that's she's probably listening to this right now that's awesome because um I'm I've always been a little conscious of my voice it, it like I didn't I didn't like the way it sounded at one point I thought about speech augmentation but then wait my, what is that where like you can <laughs> can go to a coach and and oh to like change the yeah, way that you talk i was imagining like a surgery or something <laughs> like what like breast augmentation but for your yeah, larynx yeah. so but my resident mate's right. like no no your accent is you need to it's soothing ah. it's uh you know what it is it's like old southern mm-hmm. oh yeah it's like in movies what they make the Southern lawyer sound like is what your voice is like. <laughs> so I, I've, nice. I've come to, to embrace it yeah. over the years. That's awesome. Though. Yeah, it's kind of like a good storyteller voice. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Really? A little Definitely. bit of McConaughey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a Matthew McConaughey, like a uh-huh. like a honeyed yeah. Southern accent. Very mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well. It's time for us to close out the episode by talking about our favorite thing. Dr. Nobles is going to join us today, but JJ is going to go first. He, my favorite thing is Ben. Oh, he, he is super helpful. He's always working hard on the podcast <gasps> or he's always working hard on his job. <laughs> and he helps a lot around the house. He cooks. He, he takes care of the, the, the kitty's broken shitty if it has problems. <laughs> The litter robot. <laughs> yeah. If it, it's not ever broken, but if it's ever like screaming because the cat goes in there and messes it up, then he'll he'll go in there and fix it. He empties <laughs> his little drawer. He's just, he's amazing. And I don't thank him enough for all that he does. Oh, Ben. Oh, ben. <laughs> oh slow tear. We're proud of you, Ben. Oh, good job, Keep Ben. Up. <laughs> uh, thanks. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Oh, I mean, you guys are at the house together, though, so mm-hmm. you could probably, you know. You, hey, Thanks, we don't, Ben. We don't You're way in another okay. room somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, I started the thing, and now I don't know what mine is, actually. Um, what is mine? What is mine? Okay. So uh, in the past 48 hours, I've gotten caught up on three weeks worth of studying and chapters and things for my master's degree because I had gotten a little bit behind with everything that's going on. Yeah. And so um, I worked all day yesterday and all day today and finally I'm a hundred percent caught up with all my (laughs) reading and I did all my discussion questions and all my chapters and I made my midterm study guide. And so like, (laughs) (laughs) 
That's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. You, you were always a stellar student, though. I, I like I was always the slack. Girl. No. <laughs> in veterinary, I was a really good student all through high school, all through college. Veterinary school almost broke me, like, spirit-wise is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, they took the popsicle stick over, like, break it, throw it away. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Also, let's see, crap. One other thing popped into my head, and then it, like, flitted away again. It seems like it was school related. I don't remember. Midterm study guide. Um, Midterm study guide. Yeah. And anyway. Oh, yes. And I have been having a really hard time getting my workouts to work around work and school and mm. reading and all of the mm-hmm. stuff. But I found out that the school that I attend has a wellness center that I get to use for free because I pay tuition. So on the days when I go to school, I drive there a little bit early and go straight to the student rec center, do my workout. And then I just go straight to class. I try to take a shower between, but not always. So I'm sure that I smell, but you know, like, Hey, it's a workout. Okay. Like Mm -hmm. I just got to do what I can do. But so uh, since this semester started, I've been super consistent with my working out again because I just go right before class. That's perfect. Woo-hoo. I know it's really good. And I'm like the only, I'll be like the only woman in that whole place. Oh, well, and it, it, it's maybe not the chillest vibe. It's but, a bunch of teenage boys, but okay. yeah, no, you know, yeah, but it's a workout and they've got plenty of equipment and anyway. So that's yeah. my other good thing. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's awesome. You're back in school. Yeah. I don't, do you love it? Yes, I do. Ah, yeah. I do. Look, um, he, here's the thing. It's a, it's a different world being in school when you're an adult person. It, when I graduated from veterinary school, I was 25, okay? That's not really an adult person, okay? Your brain isn't even fully developed at that age yet. So I have now learned because of the master's degree that I'm earning. But um, going back to school to do something just because you want to do it is like on a different level than like being a kid and trying to make it, you know, yeah. like it's like um, I'm there because I want to be there. I'm paying for it out of my own pocket, you know, yeah. like I, like I literally pay my own tuition. And so it's just like a different experience of like, this is what I super signed up for. Yeah. I ultra signed up for it. And I'm so excited. No, I I think that's awesome. Yeah. We've even started doing like, a, I mean, not major, but a little bit of counseling practice and class and stuff. I just love it. I love everything about it. I'm just so excited about it. And like when I'm reading my chapters and stuff, I'm like, this is so interesting. I finally understand why people act the way that they do. Like, it's just like, anyway. So yeah, I do love it. I do like 10 out of 10 would do again. If you're, out there you're listening and you've like i want additional information and you've got the money or like whatever you know like i don't have kids whatever i have a master's degree instead you know like i spend the money on that (laughs) but it's just it's great because you know you you already accomplished this major goal of of fulfilling a a childhood dream and then yeah you decided you you wanted to take it a step further and you're going to come back and use that to to help professionals. And I, I think that's the thing that I am most grateful for this this week is or veterinarians and veterinary assistants and veterinary technicians and 
um, client service coordinators, anyone that works in an animal hospital right now, um, I couldn't do what I do without the support of a large number of, of people, um, of women, majority, majority of which are women, yeah. that go above and beyond to, to help other people and their pets. And it's not often that they receive thanks and it's not a job that you do for money. And I don't stop to thank them enough. Uh, and, and I am truly grateful for them because I get to, to see these cases and treat these cases and, and help people because of them. So, and, and I'm also grateful for people like you and JJ that do this podcast, which I, I really enjoy listening to and, and being a part of because it's, um, it, it gives you uh, a nice mental break from the day in and day out, you know, especially right now being on ER for, for a lot of us, we know how, how difficult it is. And, and so uh, I, I really appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. We're so excited. You know, when we started this podcast, we didn't really know that anyone would listen (laughs) to it. (laughs) Come on. Well, yeah. I mean, you just, you make a podcast, you just, Put it out into the world and see what happens. And like, that's it. The podcasting platforms, like um, there's algorithms that decide like which podcast gets featured. Okay. You have to hit, like, it's really difficult to get on those lists unless you just are like a professional person who knows like exactly how many episodes. Like we're not there with Joe Rogan yet. Uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 but we are like, uh, when we look at our numbers You're and compare it, we're like, wow, like this is, um, this is not like hundreds of thousands of listeners or no, anything but, like but that, I, but like as, we're in like, as I look across podcast. from you right now though, I, I envision a moment where in the future, uh, probably part of your portfolio is a. Um, a mental health expert in the veterinary profession will, will be a, a podcast. And I can say back when, <laughs> back when, back when she was just in graduate school, I was there. I was there. If only, Hey, you know what? We're manifesting on the podcast. So that, that sounds great to yeah. me. <laughs> if only podcasting could be my long-term job because I really love it. Yeah. I yeah. really do. Yeah. It's, it's, it's super a lot fun. of fun. It is kind of like doing a book report every week, uh, for, especially for the clinical cases. It's a lot of work to put them together, but, but it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much. And mm-hmm. I appreciate you uh, being flexible with the recorded time and Absolutely. everything. And <laughs> letting yes. me come in. Thank you, Ben. Come thank you, JJ. <laughs> Thank Come you. Anytime. And record at your kitchen. It's great. I mean, yeah, if you guys want to come here next week, then you can, you can check out the acoustics yourself. It's great. Well, so actually, uh, this episode that we're recording is the final episode of this season, season two. Oh, okay. And um, this is airing at the end of October. Okay. And so then we're going to be taking a little bit of a break, just like we did last season and coming back with season three in the springtime. All right. But we will have at least one bonus episode coming to you for the holidays. All right. So be sure to (laughs) 
to keep a listen out. So (laughs) if you have stories, questions, concerns, or anything else you'd like for us to read, please send it to introvetspodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram, and it's at introvets. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hi, guys. Just a reminder that the Alabama Veterinary Technician Association Fall CE meeting is going to be October the 23rd, and it is going to be a virtual meeting. I'm one of the presenters, and I hope to see you there.